Hello everyone, welcome to Cricket with an Accent. Uh, Sanket Singhbal is here to discuss Australia versus Pakistan. If you already don't know him, he's definitely more famous, more known than me on Twitter. So I don't know if I should be introducing the guy. But he goes by big Aussie fan and a big Rafa Nadal fan on Twitter. So I'm sure most of you who dial in here already know the guy. So hey Sanket, how are you? Yeah, I mean, doing a cricket podcast again after a while. Great to be back. Yeah, I'm sure it's a great time for you uh, since your team uh, had a great escape and probably one of the greatest uh, test matches of recent times in Australia uh, batted that last over with Tim Payne and Usman Khwaja and Aaron Finch, everybody taking their turn under the sun for giving out lifetime cameos. So when I talked to uh, your buddy, uh, Paul Dennett, a few weeks ago, uh, we both discussed the chances of the series going 1-1, but this was such an eventful test. So what are the... Uh, how do you recall this test match? And do you think, based on this, Australia can go even one step further by winning the next test in Abu Dhabi? I think a lot a lot of it comes down to the toss. I think, you know, for a team like Australia, I think it's a lot lot more difficult. To, if, if they lose the toss and if they, you know, if they, put, if they have to bowl first under, under that heat and, you know, without, without scoreboard pressure, you know, to assist the bowlers, uh, it, it can it can get very difficult against batsmen or you know, born and bred in those kind of conditions, and they they can just pitch their tent and and, and bat for days, and that's what they did in the first test. Pakistan pretty much batted Australia out of the out of the test in the first innings, and from there on we were just playing catch up. So again, I think uh, the toss will be very crucial, and but but I think yeah, obviously, uh, based on the performance in the first test, I think Australia definitely, I think. Performed, I think this was probably the best batting performance in Asia that I've ever seen from Australia, because this was our longest fourth innings batting innings uh, ever. As uh, I think that, that as far as a successful draw is concerned, we probably batted longer. I think in four or five innings, but they were all unsuccessful. So this is the longest successful uh, time that we have batted for a draw, um, and, and definitely the longest we've batted in Asia. Uh, they hadn't even lasted 90 overs in a fourth innings in Asia previously and now they've surpassed that by more than 1.5 times so and and this doing this with an inexperienced team with guys like Kawaja who had major question marks who were hanging over their heads with regards to their abilities in Asian conditions doing it that that makes it all the more sweeter so yeah I think I mean when you when you have an escape like that it generally boosts your morale and, and you can always you know that 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 will probably bring in the much needed self-belief in Australia, they can probably do anything. But again, uh, Pakistan still remain probably a more in a more established side for these kind of conditions. So uh, Australia will probably again have to play out their skins if they do win this match. Uh, let's talk about Khwaja. You know, like a lot, a lot of time in sport, the uh, one of my favorite uh, you know cliches, but also uh, saying is you know adversity always you know gives a peak in your inner self or you know takes. Deeper dive and champions rise, and Usman Khwaja and Aaron Finch, you know, both had different reasons and different points to prove. Khwaja has been, you know, given plenty of chances outside of uh, Australian condition, and uh, his results have been close to poor. And Aaron Finch has been seen as a white ball specialist, and due to the loss of Warner with the suspension, he, you know, he came in with a chance. Of course, he has an average of forty-seven plus in the last three four years of Sheffield Shield, but still playing red ball cricket in. In UAE, you know, was a big challenge. So, you think uh, both these guys have done enough to to hold on to the spot, or there's still more work to be done? 
Well, I think uh, obviously after after a performance like that in, in alien conditions, you obviously got to give the guys a good run in the side. And Kawaja, I think is he, I think is probably our best batsman that we've got now in the absence of Smith and Warner. And he's absolutely going to be the key this summer, especially against India. Kawaja has got a great record at home, and he's he's probably the one the one batsman that and I can be absolutely certain of that we can rely upon at home against the likes of Vishant Sharma and the Street Boomer. Because India have got a very good pace attack now. So I think Kavaja will be very crucial at home. I think the jury is still out on Aaron Finch as far as I'm concerned, uh, as far as his ability to open in seam-friendly conditions instance. And I, I have always expected him to do well in the UAE because I think he's a pretty good player of spin bowling. And, and he's got a great limited overs record in subcontinent. I think his bigger challenge is when the ball moves around a little bit like it does in England or even in Australia, even though the pitches in Australia these days are, are, are quite flat and, you know, probably don't really offer a lot of assistance to the new ball bowlers, but uh, the pitches will still have a lot more pace and bounce compared to what you had in the UAE. And against against the extra pace of some of the bowlers, uh, someone like a Boomerah, for example, that 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 will be his real test, whether he can you know cope with these hard, cope with those hard lengths and whether he can resist the temptation to play outside the off stump uh, to deliveries that he can leave alone on Australian pitches. That, that will be the real challenge for him. I, I still think, I mean, from a technical viewpoint, that Kawaja might be better suited to a middle order role in, in Australian conditions or pretty much anywhere outside Asia for that matter. Uh, but I mean, after after this kind of performance, you really can't displace him. So I guess I might as well give him a good run uh, at the top of the order. And you know, Matt, Matt Renshaw, we've got a top class opener in Matt Renshaw waiting in the wings. So unfortunately, he missed out because he suffered a concussion in the warm up match. Uh, so I mean, he, 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 I think he has to come into the side. He, I think he won't be playing tomorrow because the but the batting lineup has already been confirmed by the captain Tim Payne, and it's going to be the same as the first test, which is understandable. Even though I would have liked to see, like to have seen Renshaw in, it's probably understandable that they want to give uh, Manas Labushagne the debutant another game because it would be really unfair on the youngster drop him after just one test in 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 such tough conditions. So yeah, but I mean, looking at the home summer, I, I'd like to see Renshaw back in the side, probably batting at number three, and and, he, and after this kind of performance, we probably have to give. Pinch and Khawaja, a good run at the top of the order. Okay, let's stick on uh, Khawaja for you know one more question. Uh, you know, you it's not your fault. Uh, you know, as a batsman, when you know you play in conditions that are foreign, uh, sometimes you know you have to rise uh, to the task here. And how would you rate uh, this innings in, in the context of uh, the Pakistani bowling? I know they have had you know their issues. You know, Mohammad Amir is not part of the attack. They brought Rahab Riaz, but uh, their spin attack was there. So. Uh, where would you rate this Pakistani attack in terms of you know how the Test match uh, was played and uh, you know you think a better attack would have won it or uh, just walk us through that part of this match? Well, yeah, I think yeah, this is probably not the strongest Pakistan attack to have taken the field in the UAE in recent years. I mean, uh, I mean Mohammad Abbas, I think is I think I think is a really good bowler. I, I even I had my cons- uh, doubts over him as far as his potency in subcontinental conditions is concerned prior to the Test because I, I felt that he wasn't quick enough for these kind of wickets. But he's very accurate. I think he's, he somewhat reminds me of Mohammad Asif in that regard. Not quite as skillful as Asif, but in terms of accuracy, he's probably right up there. And, and he, he's very pro, very probing and very persistent in those channels just outside the off stump and gives nothing away to the batsman. And, and on these slow pitches, it's not really easy to score quickly. So that, that's where you can really frustrate the batsman. And he's, he's also he can also be quite potent with the reverse swing. So he can bring the ball back into the batsman and... And a challenge their defense. Wahab uh, Riyaz, I think he's, he's a bit of an enigma. I've always thought that Wahab Riyaz is he, a good bowler on flat pitches. I think his issue 
has uh, always been on bowler friendly surfaces where I feel he's a little too profligate. He can be very expensive and in low scoring matches, you can ill afford that. Whereas on flat pitches, I've always believed that he is the type of guy who can wake up a flat wicket, you know, with his extra pace and with his ability to, you know, beat the batsman through pace in the air. And he can, he's a pretty good exponent of reverse swing as well. But again, he was not at his best in this test match. Uh, he struggled in the warm-up match as well. So I guess probably it wasn't quite the right decision to pick him. But I can understand why they did that because his record in the UAE is quite decent. And they probably wanted a little bit of X factor mm-hmm. to the attack. Yasir Shah is playing his first test in a year. And you know, Pakistan don't play a lot of test cricket. The only test series that they had between their you know, last test series in, this, in Sri Lanka, uh, in the UAE against Sri Lanka, uh, and this series was the series in England uh, this summer, uh, and, and he missed that due to injury. So again, he was just finding his way back and probably wasn't quite at his best throughout the match. I think, I think he pulled at his best probably in the final session uh, where he got those three or four wickets uh, and uh, on a precipitated collapse, but Australia managed to hang on Britain Payne and Nathan Lyon in the end. Uh, yeah, so I think I, I expect a better bowling performance from Yasir Shah in the next test. I think he's found his rhythm and you'll probably see a better bowling performance from him. Bilal Asif again is a debutant and you know, bowled really well in the first innings. I think the batsman adapted a lot better for him in the second innings. Again, it will be interesting to see how he goes. But I mean, I think if you look at it on paper, it's probably not the strongest bowling attack um, going around. But I, I mean, I would like to cast your mind back to the 2014 series uh, between these two sides in the UAE. And Australia's, uh, Pakistan's bowling attack for that series read Rahat Ali, uh, Imran Khan, Yasir Shah, and Zulfikar Babur. Three of these guys were in debut in that series. Junaid Khan was ruled out due to injury. Mohammad Irfan was ruled out due to injury. Saeed Ajmal had been banned due to the due to the crackdown on bowling actions that was initiated by the ICC around that time. And that is how Yasir Shah got his debut. So, I mean, if you're just looking at names, then that was not a great bowling attack either. And that was a far more experienced batting lineup Australian batting lineup that had faced that attack that had David Warner, Steve Smith, Michael Clark. That these are three of the finest batsmen that Australia have had over the last ten years, and, and that team struggled miserably against that against a very green Pakistan attack. That was a very inexperienced attack with three debutants and, and one guy would hardly play three or four Test matches. So I think these things, you know, you know, we can just look back in hindsight and say that this bowling attack was not really strong and that bowling attack was better based on the end result. But sometimes I think you just got to give the credit to the batsmen as well. I think we just played them a lot better. I think the preparation was a lot better. And Justin Langer, I think, is, he made a really, really huge difference to the side because after the first innings, he, he had a net session with, with all the batsmen after the end of the day's play, with all the left-handed batsmen on how to tackle the off-spinner uh, with the off-spinner targeting the rough. And, and the results showed. Kawaja scored uh, uh, one of the greatest innings that I've ever seen by an Australian batsman. And Travis Head on debut, who had a very torturous duck in the first innings, he came out and played uh, like a 40-test like a veteran in the second innings. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think he, credit has to go to the kind of preparation that Australia have had in the series, but in the build-up to the series, as well as the work, hard work put in by Justin Langer uh, to work with these young, young inexperienced batsmen, and, and the results showed. Okay, let's let's talk about preparation. You know, like uh, we were just talking uh, not too long ago, the India-England series. And when, uh, you know, you and I, you know, I think even on the podcast, we discussed uh, the new norm is, uh, you know, teams really don't have, especially if you're India, you don't have such a, you have such a packed calendar that you don't have the luxury to go request to, you know, two or three uh, warm-up games, which are actually warm-up games, not where, you know, now all 16, all 14 get to play. So what are some of the preparation methods this Australian team did 
to get uh, this kind of a result. Uh, just walk us through that. Yeah, I mean, as I said, I think preparation does not necessarily mean warm-up matches. And that's what I said during that series as well. Australia played just one, one warm-up match before the series. They had What they had was a 20-day 20, 20 training session, extensive training session, where they used different kinds of methods. I think Justin Langer used a water bottle on the pitch, you know, to, to you know, sort of simulate the environment where you have the balls that suddenly jump out of nowhere, out of the rough. So I think he used water bottles to uh, outside the off stump. Uh, to simulate that kind of an environment to have balls misbehaving off the surface, and you know, I mean, I'm 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 not really privy to the net sessions. I'm I'm not I can't really illustrate in detail uh, what all the methods were used, but this is one that I can remember. But this is what Australia did even in when even when they won in there. I mean, so even when they competed really well in India in 2017. Uh, I mean, they didn't play a lot of warm-up matches. They played only one warm-up match, uh, just like they did here. Uh, but what they did was they practiced really hard in the nets, and it was really intensive practice. And they they had they used different kinds of methods, and they had probably they had you know they had intra squad warm up matches. They didn't have really play official warm up matches uh, with uh, the opposition that is given to you by the uh, opposition board. And I think that that's one of the problems because the opposition boards these days, and I think that that happened even in this warm up match. Pakistan didn't play a front line. Spinner. Pakistan just you know played uh, just dished out aside. They had four four specialist quicks and one part time spinner just to deny Australia practice against against the, the against the spinners. So I, so this this is my problem problem with warm up matches and this is why I don't really believe in warm up matches because if if you are relying on the opposition board to give you good practice then I think you're you're likely to be disappointed most of the time. So I think you've got to take matters in your own hands and prepare uh, your own way. Take extra bowlers with you, and that, that's what Australia did. Australia had, you know, the, the Australia spin bowling coach Sri Dharan Sriram, the former Indian opener, I believe. Um, he he is the spin bowling coach, and he took a couple of young spinners from India to practice with the Australian squad uh, in the warm up uh, in the nets in the, in the UAE. So this is this is something that I think teams should be doing more often. This is what Australia did even in India. In 2017, and this is what they did even here, and it's it's bearing fruits. So, I mean, the problem with India uh, in England was not that they didn't play enough warm-up matches. They played one warm-up match, just the same number as what Australia played, but they didn't really have enough of a preparation time in their nets because uh, I mean, I believe that there was there was actually a 15-day turnaround between the ODI series and the Test series, so they actually had enough time, but. You know, some of them were sent away on holidays with their wives and all. I mean, that's not something that I like to comment on. And it's, it's their personal life and they can do whatever they want. But I think as far as preparation for the series is concerned, they had enough time and they probably didn't quite devote enough time uh, to practicing hard in the nets. And they probably didn't really use the right methods. That's why I think you need a good coach as well. And I mean, we've already discussed Ravi Shastri is probably, probably not the best guy as far as technical coaching is concerned. So I mean, that, so I think that 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 comes down to that as well. So I don't think it's a case of playing one warm-up match or five warm-up matches. I think it's a lot about how 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 well you prepare, and it, it comes down to your own preparation as well. And and come and coming to that, I think uh, from what I'm hearing and from what I read in the Australian newspapers the other day, Australia are planning to you know send two different squads to England next year ahead of the Ashes because there's hardly a 15-day turnaround between the World Cup and the Start of the Ashes, and Australia are planning to play an intra intra squad warm up match with their own 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 Australia A side rather than 
asking for opposition uh, from 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 the ecb because ECB we generally dish out very weak second 11 county sides that really offer no kind of opposition so might as well take your own side and have a proper match with them and practice really hard in the nets use different kinds of methods and try and simulate the match environment and that that's what has brought australia rewards over the last couple of tours i think might as well stick to it interesting uh, you know I'm very old school, and all these strategies, it's all, you know, it's all fair game, but it's just, it's just, uh, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm all in favor of warm-up matches, but you need to... No, it's just uh, the, There's no the home board's, uh, you know, strategy of giving proper... Uh, and that, that, that's something that, the pro, that's something that I, I think the ICC needs to... Yeah, you know, something needs to be sanctioned, this, you know, this, this is... And, and we, need, we need to have official, you know, sanctioned first-class warm-up matches. Otherwise, I think there's no point of home matches. I think it's just better off, you know, practicing on your own, like Australia have done. And, and yeah, I mean, it's worked out pretty well. Let's talk about Justin Langer. You know, the change in culture. I know you're a big fan of, uh, you know, having a uh, having this kind of a guy as a coach. You know, who is a fierce competitor, part of one of the storied Australian teams. So, what are the some of the differences that you're already seeing that you know you didn't see in the previous coach? Well, I, I, I just I was just reading an article uh, regarding this regarding Darren Levin, and and one of the players and uh, and the players probably maintain anonymity, but uh, one of the players said that you know Booth's approach to coaching was whenever Australia had had a struggle with the bat or you know bowlers struggle with the ball, and his message was just smack it, just smack it, or you know bowlers just just bowl quick, just 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 knock them over. I mean, he hardly ever talked tactic, uh, technical details. I mean, uh, I think his role was very, very similar to what Ravi Shastri's role is at India. I think he was more of a facilitator. There's probably more of, you know, someone's responsible for creating a, a good dressing room environment. You know, it was a bit of a boys' club under under Darren Lehman. Uh, you know, ha- ha- having a beer with boys and having some banter and joking around and you know all that kind of stuff. But I think Justin Langer, you know, I mean, he 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 he's also, you know, he's he's not exactly you know the nicest guy going around. I, I think Australia, you know, will definitely, um, maybe not now. I think it's probably too soon. But I I definitely expect Australia to have their fair share of sledging and banter under Justin Langer as well. Uh, but what what the difference between Langer and Lehman is that Langer, you know, he is not just focused on. You know this off-field aspect. I think he's a, he's a great technical coach. I think he's a great tactical coach. And he took over a Western Australia side in 2012 that was down in the dumps, uh, and they were really struggling. They were struggling for discipline. They were struggling for technique. Struggling for performances. And he's he's taken them to two Sheffield Shield finals. Uh, three. Uh, he's taken the Perth Scorchers, which is the the big bash team of the, of the Western Australia. Uh, cricket board and uh, he's taken them to three three BBL titles and is taken them to three one day cup titles uh, the domestic 50 over titles so uh, he he he's he has the experience of turning around turning around teams that are struggling and that that, that only comes with you know great technical knowledge and Justin Langer as we all know as a batsman and he's probably not the most talented but he was extremely gritty and made a career out of sheer grit and determination. And I think that, that's something that you saw in the Australian side as well for the first test. And that's, that, that's the kind of grit that we have hardly ever seen in, uh, under the Darren Lehman, except for that one draw uh, at, at Ranchi. 
uh, in, in India last year. That 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 was a remarkable performance against Ashwin and Jadeja on a fifth day Indian pitch. But other than that, Australia have hardly ever shown resilience. Whenever they are behind, they just used to you know follow Lehman's mantra mantra of just trying to smack their way out of trouble. And, and they and I mean that generally only ends one way. That's appears. Whereas with Langer, you know, he adopted a more yeah. te technical approach. They showed the grit and the technical uh, improved technical skill, and, and they managed to survive. So I think that's something that you can expect from Australian sides and Langer on a more regular basis. Obviously, they won't always get away with it because sometimes the opposition will still be better than you. But I think I expect a bit lot more fight, and I expect more. I expect the batsman to technically improve under Justin Langer because I think he's I think he's a lot better coach than Darren Lehman. Okay, so let's uh, conclude this uh, conversation by uh, visiting Sir Faraz Ahmed's captaincy. I know it's easy to always look back and uh, do a post-mortem, but do you think he was defensive in approach? Uh, did he bat too long? Uh, or you think uh, he had too much respect for... He didn't underestimate the Australian batting lineup, and that's why we got this kind of a classic test match? I mean, I, I don't think that was the issue. I mean, if, if you're not able to bowl a side out in 140 overs, then you're probably not going to bowl a side out anyways. Because, I mean, it's probably it's probably unfair on the bowlers to ask them to bowl any longer in these conditions. Because, I mean, lots of people say that they should have imposed the follow-on. But, I mean, this is not England. This is not England where you bowl sides out for 200 and then they can impose the follow-on. They were playing in 45 degrees temperature. I think you've got to take that into account as well. They also had a four-man attack. Even though they had Mohammad Afiz, he was hardly used, which is quite surprising. That that's one aspect of I think Sarfaraz's captaincy that I found quite questionable. I think Mohammad Afiz should definitely have bowled more, especially to Kawaja early on, because as we all know, Kawaja has had his issues against Ospin in the past. But I think he was introduced a little too late by the time Kawaja was really well set and you know, playing really well. But but that's that's a story for a different day. Uh, but I think you know overall, I think as far as the declaration is concerned, I, I didn't see any problem with it because I, you generally expect that the bowler side out in one forty overs because I, I don't think it's fair to expect the bowlers to bowl any longer than that. And uh, yeah, they may they might they might have been a little bit more aggressive with the bat. But again, this is this Pakistan side doesn't really have a lot of stroke players. They don't really have uh, a, a Virat Kohli or an AB de Villiers or a David Warner kind of batsman. This is a very traditional kind of Pakistan batting lineup. This was divided according to their strengths, and I think I think you know at the time, I think most people would have said that they, the declaration was timed perfectly, and that they had more than enough time to bowl Australia out. So I think when you're when you're batting out 140 overs, then I think you just got to take your hats off and give credit to the opposition. I think Australia batted really well, and I think the draw was probably a fair result. Great. So, usually, you know, we are not fan of a two-test series, but this classic draw has set up this one-off test now that starts in Abu Dhabi in a few hours from now as, as a great opportunity for both teams to, to win this trophy. All right, Sankit. So, I think uh, we covered a lot and we should do another podcast uh, after this test. And then also, we should be thinking about previewing the big India-Australia series coming up. Thanks. Absolutely. For